Let's cover some news. Let's cover some logistical news. Let's cover some crazy people. And uh, let's just hit it.
are here and we are live and there's been some craziness. There's been some craziness. I, you know what? I walk alone because basically, like I said, I'm the outcast. Uh, this I am Sage from Sage Outcast and I cover logistics in China and just craziness basically. Um, and we've had some issues going on. As you can see on screen right now, I have uh, Chris Paul, who I ended up uh, triggering this weekend in a couple tweets. Uh, but thank you for dropping in, Chris. Uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, remove you for now, uh, and and we'll 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 come back to you. All right, all right. Thank you for stopping in there, Chris. Okay, so we had an interesting. I had an interesting basically weekend. There's a lot a lot of stuffs obviously going on in regards to Israel and 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 internet and and people basically you know voicing their opinions and putting everything out there and and 100 we want that right. Everybody wants to get their opinion out they want to you know tell say what's going on and and put their information out and things like that and i talked about this before in regards to freedom of speech right me and my wife have a conversation and, and i'd like to eventually bring her on too but me and my wife have these conversations all the time she is um she is not a free speech person um i am a free speech person but i have limitations right and, and i do believe that there should be responsible speech in regards to uh, media and things like that right uh free speech technically allows me to say whatever i want whenever i want however i want it and, and things like that it basically and you know but and the government can't come in and pass a law saying i can't say that now there are of course there's slander things and that but that's different but for me, I think, in my opinion, there has to be a legitimate line when it comes to freedom of the press, right? The freedom of the press can't just say or shouldn't be allowed to say whatever they want. And, you know, lies, truths, they shouldn't be just be allowed to spew whatever they want. They're, they should be held to a higher standard. And again, this is my opinion. Um, not all believe that, and that's fine. I'm cool with that. But I guess... I just have a different opinion in regards to um, that line between freedom of speech and freedom of the press and what the press should be doing out, you know, should be doing um, compared to just saying whatever they want. So some of the stuff we cover here, um, now I might be wrong, but it's highly, uh, highly unlikely. Um, that we cover here is kind of breaking things down. Like I want to break things down so you understand what was going on. And we did a show last week, if you caught it or not, in regards to um, basically bringing all manufacturing back. Like Trump said, bring all manufacturing back. Bring it all back. Bring it back from Mexico. Bring it back from China. Bring it back from all the countries. You know, no, you know, bring it all back. And I kind of broke that down, explaining why that that's not that would not work. Um, so I have a little bit more extension to that. Um, and some other things that I did want to kind of cover so you can kind of understand what's going on and the implications that implications it could have to, uh, to us as some of this stuff goes on. All right, so let me drop down my drop menu here. Thank you. So some of the stuff that I wanted to kind of cover was basically what could possibly happen um, as we start to go hot over there near in israel like uh, i did see some tweets come out saying that we were not going to put boots on the ground but we're definitely sending in aircraft carriers and we're definitely sending in air support systems to uh defend i obviously israel if they were to go i think that's one of the things that they're waiting on is to make sure we are properly in place for any type of air defense if needed um, and we also have I, I, Iran and all this other stuff. So this is something um, I'll have to talk to some people and bring some people on who are way more in the know. I cover a lot with China, uh, logistics and things like that. But this, this is one that, like I said, I can reach out to some people. I have a grasp 
but when I don't know, I don't know. Um, I also covered some of the stuff in regards to the Iron Dome. Uh, one of the things that's limited on the amount of missiles that can, now there's also the Iron Laser Dome. Uh, that was also brought up. But it still can be overwhelmed. Like anything can be overwhelmed. It doesn't matter, you know, the gun that you have. If you have 100 troops coming at you, if you have one troop coming at you compared to 10, compared to 100, compared to 1,000, compared to 10,000, eventually you would be overwhelmed. No matter how much ammunition you have, you would be overwhelmed by the amount of you know, people that were coming at you with any type of firearms and things like that. So that's not something that is new. And I talked a little bit about that. I wanted to break it down and kind of say, hey, um, before you just kind of put stuff out there not understanding it, let's, let's take a look at it and understand it and see if we can make sure people properly understand all this. So some of the other things that basically are now happening is tanker rates have surged since Hamas attacked Israel. Now, to kind of understand this, I am going to click on this and bring this down. So all the tankers are red, and let us go over here and turn on my filters are your friends. So let's turn off container and just go red, which is tanker. So to kind of understand why you're looking at tanker rates is once zones like this go hot, go into like any type of conflict, um, the carriers that haul the natural gas and the oil, the tankers, they kind of start to get like war pay, hazard pay. Uh, the situation's bad, their insurance goes up, um, and people, obviously, if you're going to send them into a war zone or send them into a possibility of a conflict zone, the last thing, you're not going to pay them the same amount of money as somebody that's just, you know, not in a war zone. So the rates start to go up on tanker, which means oil, gas, natural gas, um, those, those prices eventually go up. Even if it's already been processed, so we're talking, you know, diesel, gasoline, not just the oil. That's something that eventually could, you'll start to see prices go up because the cost to ship them are now higher because they're going through areas uh, that could possibly have conflict. Uh, you have Iran, Saudi Arabia over here, all these oil tankers, and you can kind of see that's all the oil. That's not all oil. Those are all the tankers that are kind of rolling around the, the world here, making pickups and deliveries and so on and so on. And a lot of that comes out of this area that has, is now having issues. Now you see the Black Sea with Russia, and then they come down here, and they're going to hit the straits over here and swing down through here, and this is where possible conflicts can happen. Now, I've said this before. Understand you don't... Logistics is monstrous, monstrous in regards to any type of conflict. If you can't get goods, if you can't get refueled, you can't get food, you can't get ammunitions, um, logistically, then you will lose. You will lose. So you don't have to just stop these ships. Like, you don't have to blockade them. All you have to do is create what we call in, in logistics is a bullwhip effect by slowing them down, letting them go, slowing them down, letting them go. And this is one of the things that we saw during uh, COVID was the fact that the ports were overwhelmed because of the slowdowns, no ships, and then all of a sudden you had 130 ships in the port over there in Los Angeles. So this is something that we definitely want to keep an eye on. Um, they're already basically saying, hey, uh, the prices are starting to surge. They're going to start to go up. Insurance and things like that for those ships. Now, a couple other things I wanted to cover 
What up? Oh, we'll do that one last second. Okay. One of the other things I did cover um, in regards to, I believe it was Friday, was the fact of bringing all manufacturing back. So I wanted to put some numbers out there so that you didn't just hear me talk, but you actually could hear the numbers. So before, when we were working with China, right, and, and they, they had about 40% to us. So China, including Hong Kong, still at that time, still dominated landscapes, supplying 40.7% of U.S. imports last year. 40.7% of the imports came to California and were distributed to the United States. That's how much we relied on China. Okay. Now that's switching. Um, and I'll pull those numbers, but that's now switching to places like Mexico or other places that, um, other than China, because we are, we are, like it or not, we're in conflict with China. We're pulling back from China. It's not so much a deep coupling as much as it is as basically reshoring. We're putting stuff basically on the shore where we can protect it, we can get to it, we can convoy it. It's not just going to be eliminated by any type of bullwhip affecting, right? China shuts down, doesn't ship, then all of a sudden ships, then shuts down, then ships. That hurt us. Um, and it caused a lot of inflation because when those, all those ships were in the port over there in California, we had to get them off the port because we couldn't unload them fast enough. So what happened was that caused extremely high shipping rates. Volumes hit the roof. Uh, one, we were starting to work from home, so people were converting and getting computers and stuff like that. But plus, uh, we had to get the ships out of the ports and the containers off the dock so we can bring in new ones and ship out old ones and so on and so on. And there was just too much there was too much. So the only way to get more truck drivers to go to California to pick up freight was to raise the rates uh, for shipping. So instead of paying $2 a mile, now we're paying $6 a mile. And then if I want my freight shipped in Ohio to Pennsylvania, well, now I got to pay $8 a mile because I got to pay more to keep somebody to incentivize my freight for moving. This causes inflation. Now, so you have 40%, 40%, okay, now, I also pulled how many people uh, were, make, were manufacturing in China are in the manufacturing sector, and it's 80 million. So 80 million people were in China in the manufacturing sector. That means not just supplying us, but supplying other people, but 80 million people were manufacturing in China. So if you take 80 million and we will, I'll, I'll lower that down, right? I'll lower that down to 40 million. So half of it, all right? Or I'll even lower that down to 30 million. So let's say 30 million of those people, these are numbers now, I'm just trying to go numbers because I had a lot of people that, you know, reached out to me and said, thanks, but I wanted to break it down even more. So you have 30 people that didn't even... 30 million people that are manufacturing goods in China. Now, our unemployment, our unemployment, that means people who are not working, our unemployment is 6 million. So you have 30 million that are just making goods. Now, remember, they already have the manufacturing. They already have the buildings. They already set up with the machines. They already know how to do work the machines. They're already doing it. We don't, okay. We have 6 million unemployed. 30 million minus 6, 
24 million, I'll round it, 25 million. 25 million people we would need. 25 more million people than we have unemployed. So even if you took all of the people that were unemployed and said you now have jobs, okay, that's just to make it. So now we need people to go out and build the plants. We need people to go out and build the machines. We need people to go out and pour the pavement. We need people to go out and clean the buildings. Where do we get the people? And, and those are the real numbers, right? Those are the, I wanted people to understand the numbers. So when he, when he says bring all manufacturing back, I don't know where we're going to get the people. I, because what, it takes 20 years to make a person that's you know, useful? 18 years from birth to 18-year-old? So it's going to take us 18 years to get people you know, to be able to make that. And I don't know how, where we're going to come up for 25 million people we would need more. 25 million. And we only have 6 million unemployed. And that's kind of what I, one of the things I wanted to explain. I wanted to explain that that is something that people don't understand. And I hear this all the time. People are constantly saying, oh, we're going to bring all manufacturing back. We're going to make America, make America great again. Everything's going to be made here now. When you go and you type into Google, and you can do this. I'll just walk you through it because it's in my head. I don't have to show it to you. The minimum wage in China is about $4 American. Okay. It's, it's like three thirty something. Let's just round up. So now they're making goods for $4 an hour. We're flipping burgers for 20. They're making goods for $4 an hour. Okay. Now people are like, Oh, that's we're, that's slave labor. We should be paying them 25. No, you can't pay a country who's living on $4 an hour and living are, are actually going through life. And that's the cost of Inflation there is $4. Everybody lives on that $4 or a little bit more. And then just start throwing $25 an hour to them. Because that would drive inflation up in that country because everybody would go out and buy more stuff. Because if you go from making $4 an hour to $25 an hour, you are going to go out and buy more stuff. That would drive the inflation, supply and demand, all the way to the roof. It would destroy the country. And more than they're already falling now. And China and Russia are collapsing. And we're going to show that also because we're going to talk a little bit about bricks and some other stuff, too, that people are putting out incorrect information and they don't understand. And I'm not going to say who it is um, that has put out some incorrect information. You might be able to guess. You might be able to figure it out yourself. Um, I might be somewhere throw a hint or something. But it's basically this is kind of what I'm talking about. There is... So many jobs being done that to bring it all back, we don't have the people to possibly do that. And to get those people to do these jobs, you now have to pay even more money to get them out of what they're doing, to retrain them, to have them leave this job to go to this job. And that's kind of the balancing act that countries have to do and the world has to do in regards to being able to not collapse your own economy, right? One of the things that Trump did, like I said, is there a good thing Trump did? Am I bashing Trump all the time? No. If he does something good, I'll call it out. If he does something bad, I'll call it out. If there's something Biden does good, I'll call it out. It's the policies that I, I don't care who's doing it. I'm talking about the policies. And one of the policies that Trump did, or was I remember him coming out and saying was, we're going to go out and give extra money out. We're going to give $600 a week extra to people that are on unemployment during the vid. Well, that was bad. That was not a good idea to give them this extra money. Why? People went out and spent. People went out and bought. People went out and got all these goods. And unfortunately, 
they didn't save their weekly allowance like kids and they spent it all and then then they waited for the next week for their next for their daddy to bring their weekly allowance again and then when the weekly allowance stopped and they said well it's time for you to go out and get a job son they were like living in dad's basement they're not leaving the basement because they they have they didn't use that money to prop to to improve their situation when it ended and and this is some i so for me it would have been i i would not have just given free money i would have said hey you're going to have to you know use money and then also see if you can benefit yourself some way with that money you know we're it's hard to find an electrician it's hard to find a plumber i'm a year out from a plumber up here if i need plumbing services it's a year before i can get a plumber to come in and do anything that, because there's no plumbers there's no vets it's a, it's an hour and a half drive no, it's an hour drive to a vet that is a four-month wait to get my animal to the vet. So, or it's a three-hour drive to just to get to the hospital if I have to. So these are the things that are jobs that are going to kind of going to the wayside because people, you know, we're no longer pushing that stuff to be done. You know, electricians, welders, carpenters, plumbers, hands-on trades. And, and this is some of the stuff that, we don't have people to fill those jobs, and you want to bring back 40 million, 30 million new jobs to a country that we, don't, we can't fill the positions we have now. And this is kind of what I was talking about, and this is the realistic of it, right? I mean, everybody can, can, can spew everything and, and, and say whatever they want. And another show I'm going to be doing is going to be at one time... Um, we have to know the role of the president, what his actual job is, what his actual position is, what he's supposed to do and what he's not supposed to do. And some of the promises that they make are unrealistic. It's unrealistic. It's not possible, right? It's not possible. I think Obama said um, when he was, uh, uh, um, during his, after his inauguration, he said, you know, that the, the oceans will now go back down to their normal level. He literally said, I, I'd have to pull the quote, he literally said basically because we voted him in, the ocean levels will now go back down to the regular level. They won't rise. He will stop the water from rising. I mean, this is what our presidents are now telling the people. So when you say stuff like this, I, we have to take a look at is this actual reality or is this a campaign thing that technically is not going to happen? It can't happen. It's not, you know it's not feasible or possible to bring back 30, 40 million jobs, 50 million jobs with construction. And we only have 6 million people in unemployment. I mean, math's hard, right? I, I, I guess, but these are facts. Don't care about your feelings, but these are the facts. These are the numbers. Show me how we can bring 40 or 50 million jobs back, jobs back, not automation, but jobs back when we only have 6 million people on unemployment. Somebody show me that. Because if, that, if that's, that, that's some badass common core math, if you could possibly do that. I mean, we're talking badass common core. So I'm just saying that, show me how. Somebody explain to me how we can do that. Now, what we can do is offshore to, to other countries like Mexico, which we're doing, uh, and, and push jobs that way. All right, so that was one of the other things I wanted to talk about. And we'll talk about that last. So we, I had a, a video that I watched. Let me pull this up. So on 
I believe it was Friday. I mean, it was last Friday. Uh, it was last Friday, the following Friday. CanCon, this is CanCon from Badlands Media and Chris Paul. And this is the one that I, I triggered with a couple tweets. And let me tell you, I'm not a troll. Like, I don't come in. I come in under my name. I don't, I don't come in under a fake name. I just, I just kind of show up. Oh, hang on. Okay, stand by on one. Uh, bam. Okay. I just basically come in and I, you know, I'll, I'll just say it what it is. I, I, you know, sometimes sarcastically. Okay, most of the time sarcastically. Um, and, and just kind of throw it out there because to me, if you're willing, if you if you're gonna say this stuff, you 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 better be able to stand behind it, right? You better be able to stand behind what you say. So, this is one of the other things I did want to talk about, um, and I did want to cover because there's some confusion here in regards to sanctions, um, the Russian currency, the ruble, the, the Chinese economy, and things like that, and BRICS. And I want to talk about this real quick. So let me play this here. Let me play. Make sure you can hear it himself so you know this is uh an optical cover for something much bigger happening behind the scenes the important thing is uh maga and sovereign americans are winning each and every one of these battles and now sovereign americans okay if you if anybody's listening i swear i swear to god i was talking about this with cam and i got to figure out how to do it but i am going to do a skit i i i really wanted to hook up with my local pd but i, I and I, I watch these sovereign citizens go out and some of this stuff on YouTube. You guys have seen this, the sovereign citizens, they think that they're, you know, they're not American citizens, they're sovereign, um, they're governed by maritime law, we're under maritime law, we're under this, we're under that, and, we you know, you're a boat and, and you don't have to follow all this stuff, right? So if I would have still been in the Coast Guard, because um, I'm ex-Coast Guard, right? So I've done Coast Guard boardings and stuff like that, but it's been 20 years. I'd have to pull the sheet and, and, and go over the sheet, or I might find, I might play the sovereignces and then reach out to my local Coast Guard station and, and see if somebody there will do it with me. I literally want to pretend like I'm a sovereign citizen in a car and I'm getting pulled over. And then the guy, you know, and I say, I'm sorry, officer, I'm a sovereign citizen. I don't fall under your rules and regulations. I'm under maritime law and you know all this other stuff and i i swear to god i want to do a coast guard boarding on their car i want to walk around looking for fire extinguishers i want to walk around looking for life jackets port and starboard lights um registration numbers on the hall i i literally want to do a coast guard boarding on a car as a skit with a sovereign citizen um, I think that would be funny. I think it would once the, and then say, look, I have the right to board you. You're in territory, you're in U.S. territorial waters and you are not a U.S., you know, you're a foreign vessel in U.S. territorial waters. I'm going to go ahead and do a boarding. And I, I want to put that out there on and, and see what sovereign citizens say, because, I, and just write them the tickets, just write them all the tickets. We're just, you don't have, you, you don't have any flotation devices. Where's your flotation devices? You want me life jackets? You don't want me throw flotation devices? Like, you know, little donut type stuff? You don't have any of those? Oh, here's your ticket. I don't see your port and starboard light. You know, I don't see your red and green lights on the side. I don't see an aft light. I don't see your, your, your verification numbers uh, down the hall. I don't see any of this. And uh, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to take you in stern tow. And then like literally put a line on their car and tow them. Uh, you know, to the to the side of the road there, tow them in like a boat would tow them in for not having any of this stuff. I I, I think we're at that point that maybe that's the best way to explain uh, 
to truly explain sovereign citizens and maritime law. Because I don't know if anybody knows this, and, and, and some of the people that are thinking that the, there's 400 army generals that are now running the country because of devolution, we're going to do a series on that one. We're going to do a series on that one. Because I, if we're under maritime law, the United States Coast Guard is the maritime law enforcement agency of the United States. And uh, if you're a foreign vessel within those waters, we can board you. Plus, I want to see if I can find a buddy that has customs, and I wanted to see if I could find an old car and start ripping out seats, ripping out panels, just like the U.S. Customs could technically do. Um, because, hey, you know, you're a foreign vessel. But I just see this stuff that, and what you don't know is, like, if, if the United States Coast Guard boarded a, a cruise ship or something happened that there was an assault on a cruise ship at sea, well, the United States Coast Guard would hand that person over to the FBI. Uh, because we don't, Coast Guard doesn't have jails. We don't have, you know, anything like that. They would hand that over to the FBI uh, to basically handle. So I don't think that these people understand the jurisdictions, and that's, it's, it's just not that way. But we're going to talk about the 400 generals and stuff, but let me play this. This entire thing this week was just a flex. Well, when you have BRICS and, and, and China and, and a lot of the African nations that are influencing, some of the Middle Eastern nations that are influencing, starting to make this transition to a commodities-backed currency and getting rid of the fiat. Okay, they are not making moves to a commodity-backed currency. They're not doing that. They wouldn't do that. Let me explain why they're not doing that. There's a couple reasons. And I'm going to have to do a show on this and show it word for word and little charts and diagrams and pictures and stick figures um, to make sure that some of these people understand this. I've explained this. So as a commodity-based currency, that means you're gold and silver. Everybody's saying that's gold and silver. They've been saying that since 1972, probably earlier than that. But they're not switching. So I, the same answer I get is, well, China's buying the most gold, Russia's buying the most gold. That's because they're preparing for war. They're not going to a gold-backed currency. They're not going to attach it to their currency because if they do go to war and they need more money, they can't print it. They can't print it to defend themselves. Now, they would. They just ignore the, currency, the, the gold-backed currency because they're at war. But you have to be able to print money. If you don't have enough gold to print money then you can't print money, then you can't raise funds to go to war. So what happens is for you to buy gold and silver and, and, and this type of stuff is if you were to go to war with the United States, India, let's say, or France or somebody might not take, or they're not going to, and this is one of the reasons that um, Hitler also had an issue, and Hitler went out stealing gold and art and things like that, is because no one would take the money. Like, if Russia straight out went to war, no one's going to take the ruble that works with the United States. They're just not going to take it. They're going to be like, "You dude, your money, you could lose this war and your money would be worth crap. I'm not going to hold your money in my bank. So what happens is these countries say, well, I'll give you gold. And then you can take that gold and get U.S. dollar, and then you can take that U.S. dollar and still trade with other countries. They're not buying it to back their currency because the reason you do that is control, right? The control the amount of currency. Well, a central bank digital currency is control. So you don't need control on top of control. So what they're doing is they're preparing for a possibility of conflict 
where if they need to buy uh, goods or fuel or something like this from another country, no one's going to take the ruble. Okay? They're not going to take the ruble. But if Russia comes and says, well, I'll give you, you know, a pallet of gold or, you know, they'll take that because that can be exchanged for something else. It's not that they're switching their currency because that would be dumb. That would be dumb right now to change your currency. And if they were, their economies are collapsing. Okay? I mean, plus there's not enough gold in the world for everybody to go to a gold-backed currency. Plus, admit it or not, people are like, well, we have the most gold. And do I believe that? I do. And people are like, oh, no, we don't, we don't, we don't. No, I guarantee you we do. Um, did we, how did we get it? We probably stole it from other countries. We probably stole it when Japan went, you know, we took over Japan. We, 100%. But, or let's just, confiscated might be a better word. Confiscated. But this is, um, this is what drives me crazy because it's like, if you want to go against the dollar and go uh, and, and compete against the dollar, you're not going to go and use something that the, that we have the most in, right? Like, we're going to go against the dollar, so we're going to use gold. Well, we have the most gold. Uh, maybe, we should use, maybe you should use Oreo cookies or something. It's just at that point, you're now pocketing the most that people that, from the country that has the most. And that's not, that's not very smart. You, you, would, you would want to go with something that we don't have. We don't have. Like, so if you were going to do something like that, you might say rare earth minerals, not commodities like gold and silver, you know, lithium, something we don't have. So now we have to buy that from you to build up our currency. We, you, <laughs> you're, you're not going to go and say something, well, they already have the most because that, that doesn't really, okay, go to, go to gold. Good luck. Good luck. I don't, I don't, okay. We have more, mil, we have the ability to mine gold. We have the ability to, gold is easily, it isn't as hard processed as rare earth minerals, which we don't have any processing plants. We're just building them now. China has the most processing for rare earth minerals. So for, when I hear this, it's like, why would you do that? That, that, would, that does not benefit your country. And if you're going to do this, it's like playing the game of risk. You, you want more than the other countries, and they don't have that. All right. Currency that, you know, mm -hmm. the central bank essentially represents uh this is where that ebs on on october 4th both here in the united states and in russia it kind of makes me a little bit worried because i mean if you look at uh, a majority of the wars that we fought over the last two centuries um most of them had something to do with with a financial transaction it was not uh you know aggressions i mean a lot of it might have been but uh that, that's the that's the with the public facing uh excuse for this war justification for the war is but in reality it's it's financial i mean it's always financial uh the invasion of iraq libya syria all of these are are financial uh uh endeavors so to speak um and, and now they're all is he right yes but understand like i said people oh there were no weapons of mass destruction there was because at that point, back then, we needed the dollar. We needed the petrodollar. So a weapon of mass destruction would have been, back then, would have been in the 70s, the petrodollar. The, taking, getting rid of the dollar would have been a weapon of mass destruction against the United States because it would have sent our, our dollar spiraling. Now, where we are now, and Trump was a, a big advocate of this, was being, being energy efficient. That doesn't mean that uh, you just have to be like, hey, if we wanted to, like right now, everybody looks at our, um, our oil reserves, right? Our, our emergency reserves, and it's going down. 
But it went down during Trump, and then, you know, it goes back up. But if we wanted to turn the oil back on right now, there would be a, there is massive amounts of oil rigs and mining companies that would go right to pumping oil. We would have oil pretty quick. Uh, we don't have a problem recouping oil if we really wanted to. Trust me, I do a ton. Uh, 95% of the business that I'm in is oil field uh, type stuff. Between us and Canada, we, we could pump a hell of a lot of oil out of the ground and build that back up quickly. It's the processing of that oil into diesel, into gasoline, um, that's a little bit different, right? Processing it, it is harder than us just pulling it out of the ground. I mean, there's oil rigs and oil companies, and, and North Dakota built entire civilizations about, you know, schools and restaurants and everything else pumping those oils. We could do that very quickly. We could frack if we had it to. We could, if, in an emergency, we could do that. Could we process it as, as well? That's different because you have to have processing plants and, and stuff. Now, we do have them, but a lot of times we'll, have, we'll send stuff to be processed elsewhere and things like that. So we could still fill that, that. So a lot of times there were oil. It was uh, petrodollar. It was finances. It was also making sure that we had people on that side of the planet to basically ha- you know, still control some of the board, right? The, the global world is about still maintaining the board, right? You don't want to pull all of your pieces back to your side of the board because then you have nothing over here and nothing over here. A lot of times you still want to maintain pieces over there on the other side of the board. Now, it's also to help other countries. We also do law enforcement. We also do patrols um, in regards to the United States Coast Guard. That's what they do to help other countries. But you don't want to isolate yourself by pulling back where now nobody, you're not helping anyone because then no one will help you. And that's how Rome fell. Rome fell because they, they couldn't get to the wall, so they circle it, shut it down, and then they had some other issues. But you don't want that isolation, that separation, that you're not helping anyone else. And we talked about that, too. So that makes me a little bit worried when you have BRICS mo- moving towards a commodities-backed currency and you have a confrontation right now between Ukraine, who is, quote-unquote, representing the U.S., and Russia, who's obviously representing BRICS. I, I don't know. It's a perfect storm that's kind of brewing right there. Well, yeah, I mean, Ukraine as a regime proxy state makes all the sense in the world. They tried the financial thing, taking Russia off SWIFT, imposing all these sanctions on Russia. That's done nothing. The value of their currency is higher. They're, yeah, they're doing fine. And we're going to see the same thing play out in, with China and Taiwan. And that- Okay, they are not doing fine. Okay, the, when, they, when, he, when CanCon goes, it gone, it's gone up. It, he doesn't understand how money works. And it's, it's, it's look... It's not, I, I had to learn. We all had to learn. We had to understand because it didn't make sense to me, right? Hang on my earpiece. So he did not under, he's not understanding how money works. Actually, I don't need that one. So when he says the money's going up, he's incorrect. That's not correct. Uh, sanctions in regards to what happened is, is actually, let me move this out of the way. It is doing, um, giving Russia a problem. So, when he thinks that it's going up is good, it's actually bad, okay? The ruble is falling. The ruble, and, and I'm going to play another guy's video who explains this way better. I'm trying to reach out to him to bring him on. But understand that as that goes up, that means that's against the U.S. dollar. So sanctions, and here's what happened. So 
we basically took them off the Swift, the SWIFT system. So all currency, if I were to buy something, uh, if India were to buy something from China, it gets converted to U.S. dollars, and then it goes back to the country's dollars, right? The SWIFT system was the exchange in which that the, the computer system, basically, I'll make this as easy as, as possible, the computer system that allowed that change. So we... we uh, we pulled them off the SWIFT system, but we've also adapted a new SWIFT system called SWIFT 20, no, 222, um, and it's upgraded, right? But we'll talk about that later. So we also sanctioned them where they could not sell um, oil, and, and they're not, not, well, they're not supposed to be. Of course, everybody finds ways around it, but they're not able to sell oil, and those were the sanctions we put on them and we eased it into them, right? So here's the sanctions and more and then more than more. So as this line goes up, this means that it is worth less and less US dollars. So right now, one ruble, I don't know about now because I haven't checked this morning, but one ruble's worth about seven cents. At one point, it broke the line and it actually was worth ne negative cents. Like, it was worth nothing. You don't want this line to go up. So let's say you go to Canada and you're going to exchange your money from Canada. And we used to do this all the time. I used to play hockey. We'd have to go to Canada and exchange it. So if I went to Canada with 200, if I went to my bank and said, I want to exchange my U.S. dollars for Canadian dollars, I'd say, here's $200. Well, right there, there was like a 20 cent, 20 cent increase, right? So I would probably get for $100, I'd get $220. I'm sorry. $120. So for $200, I get $240. $240 Canadian. Because their line was at 20 instead of 97. If I were to go and say, here's $100 American, how much am I going to get Russian dollars? It'd be way more. Because that line is getting further and further away from the US dollar, which means it's worth less and less to the global reserve currency. Okay? So... The, when he says it's going up, it's not, that's bad. You want it to go down. You, like the euro um, is worth about the same as U.S. dollar. Sometimes they flip and flop, but they're about the same. So they're on the same line. Canadian would be like 20. You know, another country might be 40. Russia's at 97. So they're, they're, it's literally worth seven cents seven cents or less. So it's not, it is not, here's the line from November, 2023. You can see it going up. It is not getting better in Russia. The sanctions are hurting. Now, another thing I hear people say is they, well, they started to sell more oil to all these other countries for cheaper and they undercut it. No, what happened was, and, and this is, if I normally sold for a hundred dollars a barrel and you cut me off where I couldn't sell, Supply and demand kicks in. I now have more supply than demand, okay? So now I can't sell my oil for $100 a barrel. I can only sell it for 50 Well, if you're China and India, you're going to come in there and say, I'll give you 40 for it. Take it or leave it. You can't sell it anyplace else. I'm in. So now you're selling oil, but you're only selling it for $50 a barrel, and you're losing profits, because you got to keep the people working. You got to keep your, your when uh, Russia's main production is natural gas and oil, you've got to keep those people working or they lose their jobs. You only have so much storage to hold this oil. 
So it, it, once you're full up in your storage, you're just going to stop. You're just going to stop. And the last thing you want to do is stop producing and shut those down. So you sell it. So countries like China and, and India basically took advantage of while they could. Even Saudi Arabia, who didn't need the oil but has enough to store it, started to buy their cheaper oil so when the price goes up, they can go back and sell it for higher. And this didn't help Russia. This hurt Russia. Russia's fossil fuel export revenue went down. It went down over the months. Not up. It went down. Because they basically... So the revenue that they were making, the money in which they were making, is going down. That hurt Russia. Russia's economy is in very bad shape. China, we see all the news on China with all the property companies going under. They're building ghost cities. Their, their people, their, their people are, 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 you know, not making as much money. We're not buying as much from them. We're moving our stuff. That's hurting China. There's a collapse coming in China because we're pulling back 40% down to maybe 16%. That's hurting China's numbers. You can look it up. Anybody can watch the videos on it. That China is taking an ass whooping. This is the truth. So the last thing, if I'm India, let's, let's put it in your country. You're now with your own country, right? You see Russia's dollars collapsing. You see China is collapsing. They're not paying this. They're not paying this. This company's not, not making their, their payments. Uh, they've put the youngest, the people who just graduated uh, can't find jobs. These countries, the two main countries, Russia and China, the two stabilizing countries in your financial system are now collapsing. Are you going to join your money with them? Do you think India is going to join their money with two countries that are basically collapsing? Their economy is being crushed. I mean, you can look any of that up. Saudi Arabia is not going to say, well, yeah, we're going to do a BRICS dollar and we're going to throw our money into your BRICS dollar. Be Wait a minute. You guys, are, you guys are going bankrupt? No, I'm not. I'm not going to join my money with yours. As Chris Paul would say, that's retarded. Right, Chris? Chris, could you hear me? Chris. Oh, there you are. Thank God. Right, Chris? That would be, as you would say, retarded. No, you wouldn't do that. You're not going to dive in and do that. So this is some of the stuff that when they say that Russia's doing better with sanctions, no, they're not. Let me make sure this isn't on high speed. It isn't. All right. This is boop, Joe Bloggs, and you should check him out. Definitely check him out, Joe Bloggs. It's, he's somebody that he breaks it down and he covers this stuff. He does charts. He pulls up a bunch of these charts right from the Russia state website and goes over this stuff. So we're going to listen to him real quick. So what's the summary and conclusion today? Well, I wanted to post this video firstly to give you an update as to what's happening with the fuel ban. And as we've talked about, the fuel ban is still in place. It was introduced on the 21st. So what Russia did, and he's talking about right now, and he'll get into conclusions, is Russia basically went out and said, look, 
These people were making more money selling it to other countries rather than giving it to Russia. So if I'm an oil, um, I'm pumping oil over there in Russia, I made more money selling it to other countries than I did keeping it in the country. So Putin basically came and said, look, our dollar's collapsing. We don't want we don't want funds. We don't want U.S. dollars. We don't want these dollars. We want these dollars. We need this sold here so we can keep the money here to, to prop up our money, right? So we're not selling oil to other countries. You need to sell it here so we can help prop up our money. We want more people to want our money because our money is collapsing. And Russia basically said no more exporting oil for a while. Um, we're going to do it for two weeks. Well, that was like two months ago, and they're still not allowing oil to be exported out because it's, it, they're trying to build, prop up their money to keep their money from collapsing anymore. ...of September, and we are now not far away from that ban having been in place for an entire month, and that is having a hugely devastating impact on the Russian economy. As we saw from the data, in the first 16 days, Russia lost around $4.5 billion and is still losing hundreds of millions of dollars every single day. Hundreds of millions of dollars every single day Russia is losing. They're losing. More than a billion dollars per week. And this seems absolutely crazy for a country that is literally swimming in oil. Russia has so much oil, it doesn't know what to do with it. So it absolutely makes sense for Russia to be exporting as much oil as possible if it can find buyers. When Russia commenced its invasion of Ukraine, the biggest question that everybody was asking was who are they going to sell all of its oil to? So now Russia is full of oil, supply and demand. You have lots of supply, not a lot of demand. Price goes down. If the West stopped buying, was there enough capacity for Russia to be able to find buyers for its refined products? The question nobody was asking was, do we think Russia is going to stop exporting oil because it didn't have enough in its home market? That seems completely ludicrous. But as we've seen in today's video, the reason that Russia has imposed this export ban isn't because they don't have enough oil. They've got plenty of oil. The problem that they had in the Russian market was that because of what was happening with the Ural's price, it was going up significantly in the world markets from around $50 to the current level of around $80. But at the same time, the value of the ruble was completely collapsing. The value of the ruble's going down, but the price of oil's going up. And they have large amounts of oil, so their money is catering. It's, it's collapsing. It's going down. They're in trouble. So in order for the Russian refineries to be able to earn enough money from selling into the Russian market, the price of Russian oil would have needed to have more than doubled. But as we saw from the data, the Russian authorities have actually introduced price controls for gasoline and diesel in the Russian home market. And the price is actually... Now, you don't issue price controls when you have a booming economy. You don't do that. Um, but they are fallen over the course of 2023 by around 25 percent so you've got a bizarre situation where the russian oil refineries can make bumper profit by selling their oil in the international markets because prices have gone up and the value of the ruble has gone down and at the same time as that's happening the russian authorities are expecting those refineries to be selling their product into russia at lower prices than they were at the start of this year and from a commercial point of view that makes absolutely no sense if you're running a business you want to sell your product for the highest possible price 
So this is when uh, people like uh, Chris Paul um, come out and basically say, hey, you know, it's going up. It's doing nothing. That's doing great. Russia's fantastic. That's a lie. And you're on bad, na- bad lands media news. And if you're putting out this information from a news media source, all I'm asking you to do is to be have responsible freedom of speech when you're being when you're answering news questions, when you're being premiered or shown on a news network. Don't lie to the people. Is that too much to ask? Is it too much to ask from the truth media, from the alternative news media? And if that means exporting it, then so be it. However, the problem that that was causing in Russia was that they were genuinely having shortages at the pumps. And this came at the critical harvesting time for the Russian farming industry. And farming is absolutely critical to Russia for two reasons. Firstly, it produces a lot of food for the home market. So it's feeding the Russian population. And secondly, it's a big earner in terms of exporting all of the surplus that Russia doesn't need. So it was absolutely vital from President Putin's point of view that the farmers were given enough fuel at an affordable... So that's a point now where it's, it's better for their own people to sell it out rather than keep it. But Putin's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We still got to farm. We still got to do this. We still got to do that. Um, I understand you're going to be taking a loss and you're not going to be making as much money, but I don't care if you want to make money. You're going to have to do this. Now, this is not, see, this is the stuff that's being said, the, 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 what's actually happening. And then the alternative truth or news channels are saying, no, Putin's great. Putin's fantastic. Putin's not doing this. Well, he's telling his own people that they can't turn profits, that they have to sell to U.S. people, which is fine. Uh, but don't tell me it's a free economy and they, that they do whatever they want. Price for them to be able to complete all of the harvest, bring in all of the crops, and make sure that everything was secured. And as a result of the shortages and the risk that the farmers wouldn't have enough fuel, this export ban was introduced. And this is obviously quite an embarrassing situation from Russia's point of view, because the last thing that you want to announce to the world is that we've really messed things up so badly that we're now having to ban all of our refineries from exporting their most valuable product. And for anybody that's watching who continues to doubt whether or not the sanctions are having any impact on the Russian economy, I think this situation absolutely proves categorically that there are major issues going on in Russia right now. The oil industry is the biggest generator of income for the Russian economy. So the last thing that President Putin wants to do right now is mess around with production and sales. Russia have faced lots of challenges over the last 18 months in terms of finding replacement buyers for all of the... Okay, so check him out. Like I said, it's Joe Bloggs. If you want an uh, explanation, if you want him to show you charts, and he, he goes over a lot of charts and a lot of information and brings that. And that is what I'm trying to say. If you're out there on a news media and you're saying that the, the Russians doing fantastic, they're going great, their dollar's going up, and this is happening. Well, yeah, there is dollar. their dollar is going up against the U.S. dollar, which means it's weak. It's weak. It's becoming weaker and weaker, which is bad. And this is where, if I'm another, like I said, if I'm another country and I see Russia doing this and I see Russia doing price controls where they won't sell their oil, they won't do this, they won't do that, the last thing I'm going to do is team up and join up with that sinking tank, right? No, I'm not combined. Look, I'll be a part of your trade pack and I'll be a part of BRICS and I'll be a part of getting cheap stuff from you. But the last thing I'm going to do is give you my money to build up your money. You're out of your fucking mind. That's not going to happen. Give me a break.
And this is where, like I said, if you don't know and you are on a news, what you're calling to be a news network, and you don't know, just shut the fuck up. Just say, I don't know. I don't understand. Find someone who can teach you or show you or explain it to you. Don't assume. Just find that person. All right. Last one I want to cover, too, is going to be uh, actually where I triggered him. So a couple things happened this weekend. One was CanCon. Uh, and sorry, but got to call him out when I got to call him out. Um, he told me I could. So CanCon stated that he put out a, a poll that basically says, hey, do you want your 13-year-old to 28-year-old kids being drafted into the military? Um, and, you know, basically saying that, you know, no foreign war, no more wars, no more draft, no more fighting, no more doing any of this stuff type stuff. So it was basically, do you want this to happen or hell no, you know, screw Biden or whatever. So I asked CanCon, why did you sign up for the military? Okay, here it is. How many of your children, uh, how many of you with children aged 13 to 28 are ready to send your sons and maybe your daughter's off to die for Israel or Ukraine or maybe Taiwan. This conflict is will more likely require a draft. Once you get involved, outnumbers are already wildly uh, inadequate. Okay, um, draft my child or piss off. So I asked him, why did you join the military? His answer was, now I'm ex-military too. So it, I was like, dude, bro, really? So because I was brainwashed into thinking that was a just war because I was brainwashed into thinking that was a just war. Now, that's not why I joined the military. Um, it's not, in any way, that is not why I joined the military. I joined the military. Uh, I joined the U.S. Coast Guard. And now it's the branch I wanted to go into. I wanted to do law enforcement. Um, I wanted to, you know, 9-11 came around and went and stuff like that. <clears throat> and I left um, a union truck driving job, making great money at a house and, and, you know, had seniority and stuff and just said, you know what? It's time. It's time. And I signed up for the U.S. Coast Guard. So one of the reasons I did it was I, I wanted to defend the Constitution, my, and I wanted to defend the country, not the people in the country per se, like the politicians and all these people, but the country and the system in which I live in, which I do believe to be the greatest in the world. I would not move anyplace else. I would not trade this system for anything else. Does it have to be fixed? Of course. It's, it's, it's ever-changing. It's ever moving forward. It's a progressive system that we always have to maintain the base of it, which is the U.S. Constitution. I took an oath. I, sage outcast, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution. I will defend and support the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed to me over and according to the regulations of United, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, so help me God. I took that oath. That is still my oath. That is still my oath. I took it. I'm going to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. But the Constitution comes first. Comes first. That's the first thing I'm defending. Now, how do I defend that? Am I still out there doing patrols? I'm not. But I'm here before I'll let somebody come out and say we should rip this whole thing down, like Pat says, on, on, on Badlands. And I'm picking on Badlands because that was, at that point, that was, I was looking at them and, and, and 
some of the stuff with CanCon did I like, but looking at every other channel, it's like, I took an oath. I can't, I can't work for you guys. I took an oath. I cannot be on a channel that allows someone to say, let's rip down and completely start over, that this thing has completely failed, it's a joke, and let's get rid of it. Sorry, I took an oath. I took an oath. And I didn't do it because I was brainwashed. I did it to support my country and support the system in which I live in and support the United States Constitution. That's why I took, that's, that's the oath I took. Now, obviously, CanCon, I know he took the same oath, but I guess his oath doesn't apply anymore because I can't be on a channel. I can't be a part of something. I can't just let it go when someone says rip it all down. Or if they're pushing something that's, that's called dev, uh, devolution or what uh, continue of government type stuff, that one of the first lines of this devolution, because I started to watch a little bit of this devolution, and I'm just going to dive into it before I go real quick, was in a situation, a catastrophic event, catastrophic emergency. Now, I'm not sure what they're using as a catastrophic emergency. I'm going to say it's COVID, but we've already announced COVID is over. And catastrophic emergency basically meant that so many people were wiped out or a bunch of people were wiped out that we had to assign new people, right, or new systems. Well, I'm confused because either COVID didn't exist to you people and it was all just a scam, just a, just a PSYOP, which is over, another thing that's overused, and I'll explain that in a minute, or uh, it was, and so many people were wiped out that, you know, we don't have any Congress, we don't have this, we don't have this. But one of the, so they bring up this PPD 40, which is a classified document. Go figure. So they're going to use information that's in a classified document, which they don't have access to, to put together a scheme that President Trump is still the commander-in-chief. Weird. That's kind of weird because he's not. Because here are some of the obligations that you would have to do. One of them is ensure continuing function of a form of government under the United States Constitution. That means you can't suspend the Constitution. You cannot suspend the Constitution. Your job with this is to continue function of a form of government under the Constitution. So that means that Trump can't be in charge and it can't be placed under 400 member generals in the military. 400 army generals who took an oath to protect the Constitution cannot divert, basically divert the Constitution and place themselves in charge. That can't happen. Why? Because we're supposed to keep the Constitution, including the function of three separate branches of government. So if this is how it's supposed to work, you can't say that we're going to get rid of these three branches of government, put the entire United States under uh, 400 generals who took an oath to protect the Constitution when one of the, the main, the first one, the first one that you're supposed to do during this devolution process is ensure the continuing function of the form of government under the United States Constitution, including the function of three separate branches of government. So if, if these generals are in charge and Biden's just a figurehead, is that the Constitution? Is that three branches of government? Is that what it says to do under the paperwork? Now, I'm going to show where I got this, and I'm going to show a bunch of other ones that are not classified that I'm thinking he's just like, well, we'll just push that to the side. We're going to ignore that. And this is being pushed by, I think, uh, Pat Patel. I think he calls himself John on Badlands. All right, the second thing. Provide leadership visible to the nation. 
and the world and maintaining the trust and confidence in the American people. Do any of you people out there have trust and confidence in the system that's visible to the nation? What, where's the visible thing to the nation? Well, because if it's just an act, well, then we got a problem here because this says provide leadership visible to the nation and the world and maintain trust and confidence in the American people. Okay, defend the United States against enemies, foreign and domestic, and prevent uh, interdicting attack against the United States and its people, property, or interests. Okay, all right. Maintain and fostering effective relationships with foreign nations. Hmm. All right. Protect against threats to the homeland and bring justice proprietors of crimes or against, I'm sorry, or attacks against the United States or its people property of interest. Huh. Weird. Uh, provide rapid and effective response to and recovery of from a domestic consequences of an attack or other incidents. Protect, the stable, protect and stabilize the nation's economy. Protect and stabilize the nation's economy to ensure public confidence in the financial system. Is that being done? No. No, but what is being done? Here's what's being done, allegedly, by the people that say this stuff. Allegedly, people are saying, well, just kind of throw it out there. Um, and we're going to all see that it's a movie just so we can all be punished financially because of inflation and because of all this stuff um, so that we can see how bad it was so we realize and we learn our lesson. What am I, a fucking child? I don't want to learn my lesson. It's your job to fix that. You ain't fixing it, bitch. You ain't fixing it. If Trump is the commander-in-chief, he's a bad commander-in-chief under this policy. Very bad. Horrible. Like, fire him and give it to somebody else. The generals who are in charge, who can't be in charge because that they can't take charge according to the oath that they took to protect the Constitution, where this says we have to maintain the Constitution. I'm confused. Provide, the federal, provide federal government service that address the nation's health, safety, and welfare and needs of the United States. So here's my problem with this, and there's so much more. There's so much more I'm going to have to do a whole series on this and go step by step, breaking down every single devolution thing that John Patel, Patriot Patel does on his and go step by step and say, explain it to me like I'm a four-year-old. Because what I'm understanding, what I'm reading is you're supposed to maintain the United States Constitution and you're telling me you're suspending the United States Constitution. You're telling me that there's 400 generals in charge and they took an oath to protect the Constitution and right here it says that you have to keep a functioning three, uh, three separate branches of government. So here's the other thing I want to do a show on. And let me know if you guys want this. Please put in the comment section. The way the United States Constitution was designed by the founding fathers was that the president did not have that much power. He didn't have the power. So for you to be a country by the people, for the people, the president cannot be a dictator. He cannot be a god. He cannot be a demigod. He cannot be somebody that everything he says he can do. He can't come in and unfortunately uh, change all the gender bathrooms in, 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 in the in restaurant. He's not allowed to do that. Do I think he should? Yes, I believe in two. two I'm sorry, but I believe in two genders. Um, but he cannot come in and do that. He had very George Washington 
had very, wanted very minimal power. They did not want the president. He was just the overseer. He was that CEO that let his, the people that he hired run the business. And he would come in if something, you know, make final decisions and, and make sure that it was following the path according to, you know, what his role was. It was not to solve all of our problems. It was not to come in and babysit me, micromanage things. It was not to, to go out and attack every single person out there that, that possibly ran against him. Matter of fact, they didn't even campaign. You were looked down on when you campaigned. Because at that point, they, they wanted the smart people in the Congress, in the Senate, the people to pick the person that should be in charge of everything. They wanted that process. You were looked down on when you campaigned. So the fact that we are reaching out and, and looking for someone, I don't care who it is, to save us all, that is God, that is the leader, that is this, is not what the Constitution is. It is 100% destroying the Constitution. It is 100% destroying our society. I believe you should, man, you should be mandatory for two-year service in the military. You're 18, just like South Korea. You do two years in the military. Because the system in which you have and the country which you have, you have to understand the importance of that country, the importance to protect that country and the system. You vote the people in and out, but you still, it's my job, it's my job to protect the system in which gives me the rights that I have. And protecting the system does not mean we destroy it, we trash it, we, we put out all this fake news, fake bull crap, fake this, fake that, fake this, and change the mindset of the people. It's that we protect the base system and we elect the people from our district that best represents who I want them to be. Now, I might lose. I might pick somebody that I want this person because they represent more of what I want for the country. But... There, I'm the major. I'm the minority here, and there's somebody. Everybody else votes somebody else in. Well, that's that's government. It's 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 not a perfect system, but that's the way the system works. But we don't. We want a dictatorship. We they want a dictatorship to come in, take charge, be under control, put us under military and, and military uh, law, martial law, lock us all down, lock this. They they say they don't, but they're begging for it. They're literally begging for it. Please come in. Please let the Army generals be. I don't want Army generals in charge. I did not vote in any way, shape, or form for an Army general who's not his job to be in charge of my country. We give limited powers to the president so that they don't become a tyranny, so that they don't become a dictatorship, so that they don't do this. But unfortunately, I listen to all these shows and everybody thinks, bring Trump back in and, the world, and everything will be fixed. This will be fixed, this will be fixed, this will be fixed. Well, to be honest, the people that you elected to Congress and Senate should be the ones making the laws, passing the laws and making these decisions, then running it up to the president. And then the president basically says, yay or nay. That's, I mean, I heard him in a speech today say, well, you know, I got Roe versus Wade switched. Well, no, actually you didn't. You didn't get that switched. It went before, smart people took it in front of the judges and said, hey, we need to, we need to look at this. And, and they re-looked at it and they said, okay, yeah, let's go back and change it. And they changed it. I want the system to work the way it was designed. And so I'm going to have to do a show because nobody knows what the president's job is. Not nobody. Very few people. 
very few people that I've asked that if I were to say, what is the presidential role? What is his role as president? Could you answer that? What powers does he have as a president? Could you answer that? A lot of people can. That scares me. That makes me nervous. So, look, I'm a CEO of a company. I've had people work underneath me. I've had to hire people. I've had to do this stuff. Now I'm kind of partially retired, right? So I don't just put people in play to micromanage them because I don't have time. I've hired them for the positions to fill the void so I don't have to do it, and I can do other things. And the only time I, you know, they make decisions and they do this and they do that, it's that structure, it's that hierarchy that eventually comes back to me, and I'm eventually responsible, so I check in and make sure, and we do, you know, you do meetings and, and things like that. But it's still, they're making those decisions. And if you want a country that is for the people, by the people, then you don't want a dictatorship. You don't want the president, the highest person, handling, micromanaging the country because it's your country. He's just there to handle the big stuff. It's your country. Put the people you want in the office, the, people, the, put the, you know, the mayors, the governors, the councilmen. That's the people that you push on. But we don't. So I'm going to dive, like I said, I'll have to dive more into this. Um, but there's a lot of this stuff that is, to me, it's, it, they just don't seem to to understand fully. So, and I one more to... Oh, hang on. Let me drop my menu. Let, let me show you where I got this from, which I thought this was interesting. So, this is where it all kind of started. Where's my notifications? All right. This is where I got my... my I triggered Chris Paul. So, Chris Paul put out a couple things. So, the first thing he put out was uh, the EBS is... Is it this one? Um... He put out that the EBS is a warning for people that believe. Oh, man, I can't remember. Now I'm going to go back and figure, figure out what it was. Day of rage. Happened or obvious PSYOP? Now, this is where I see everybody seems to use the term PSYOP nonstop. Like they, everything's a PSYOP. This is a PSYOP. That's a PSYOP. This is a PSYOP. That's a PSYOP. So I'm like, okay, well, we got to fix this here because I've worked with some monstrous companies, monstrous companies. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Um, you'd be shocked after working with them that you say, how in the hell is that company still open? I'm not going to lie. Um, but so he put obvious PSYOP. So I said, by PSYOP, do you mean military operation aimed at influencing an enemy's state of mind through non-combative means? Um, and he hit heart. And I think he said, yes. And I said, well, then no, it wasn't a PSYOP. So when, the, when they came out and they said the day of rage... He, he was insinuating that it was a psyop by the military to emotionally get us charged to defend Israel. I don't. I think, and I explained this to him, that, look, it, it was a warning. It was said. They were said to go out and do lone wolf attacks, go out and inflict, you know, carnage, go out and do this. Now, do we know if these lone wolves are going to do it? No, we don't. We hope they don't, uh, but it's possible that they might. So when the government goes out and says, hey, be made aware, They're create, they, they, they called for a day of rage, they called to go out and do this, they go out and do this, it's basically the government coming out and saying, look, it's possible something might happen. So just be careful. It's like a warning. 
And that warning is the same thing when I, like I said to him, then no, it's not a psyop. First, um, if you, because he feels Trump's a commander in chief, well, then if he feels Trump's commander in chief, that means the person doing the psyop would be Trump. So I, which I don't feel Trump's in charge. But second, it's like Noah putting out a flash flood warning in my area from rain, right? Now, I might look out the window and be like, there's no flooding here. Correct. But it's possible that the rain might cause flash flooding. So please be careful. Please be advised. Please be aware of this, that, it, that we have so much rain that there could be flooding come across and there'd be a flash flood. So it's just the government coming out saying, look, they are calling for this. Some stuff could happen. Now, let me ask you this. If nothing happened, if nothing literally happened, and they didn't tell us, would you be bitching then? I mean, would, you, would he seriously be triggered then, saying, hey, uh, you didn't tell us, and people are out there getting killed. You should have told us. Where's our intel? And then when they do come out and say, look, be, be advised. This is what's going on. You're all seeing the videos. You see what's going on. This could be a bad situation. It may or may not, but we'd rather warn you and let you know than not. That's bad, too. So I don't know which side. What do you want, Chris? What do you want? You just seem to be triggered no matter what. And, and I, I know what's going on in Chris's head. He might not think so, but he's control, right? People do things for three reasons. Money, fame, power. Money, fame, control, right? Deep down, they do it for these three reasons. Well, he's control, and he's lost control. Um, and now he doesn't know how to gain that, and it tur he's turning that into hate, hate the government, hate everything, hate everything, hate everything. Uh, I can break that down later, but that's the gist of it. So... I basically said, no, it's just, it was, it's a warning to the people basically saying, hey, be advised by this. And the other thing that he basically said, which I, I commented on, and he got, this is where he really got triggered, was he put out, hang on, show applies. His main statement was, uh, the day of rage is an EBS signal for people who believe terrorism is a real thing. So now terrorism is not a real thing. Are you kidding me? Are you, are you kidding me? Um, so I basically said, well, if terrorism is not a real thing, then why are you so worried about the fighting age sleeper cell men crossing the border? Strange. Uh, what sleeper cell are they joining? Extended warranty call center teams? So my, thought, my thing was, look, first you say there's no such thing as terrorism, and then... Minutes later, you'll say that these are all terrorists crossing the border coming to fight us. So which is it? There is terrorism or there isn't terrorism? Make yourself clear. Explain this to me. Okay? So he got pissed off because I, I, I CC'd CanCon. Because, you know, I thought, hey, CanCon, this would be great. CanCon should talk about this. Let's see what, you know, thinks about this 100%. I should have tagged freaking Dan Bartangino. I could tag the entire freaking Twitter and he got all upset because I tagged, I tagged CanCon. What? What's the matter? Why don't you tell CanCon there's no such thing as terrorism? You don't have the balls to do that? Oh, so he sent me this, right? And I'm like, you know, you know I told him, hey, uh, I guess you have a poor sense of humor. Uh, why were you triggered by my joke, right? Because he basically said, why are, you analyze, why are you analyzing a joke literally? Because he didn't say it was a joke. Day of Rage was an EBS. You, you, if you listen to what you say, you don't believe anything the government says. You don't believe anything that happened in Israel was real. You don't believe anything. Anything's, nothing's real. Everything's a PSYOP. So I triggered him. So 
Um, I'm like, and then he put out, I said something else. I said, you know, now you're learning because, you know, obviously he doesn't have a sense of humor. Uh, so then he sent it again. So that's when I basically, you know, I, 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 I'm, you've now been triggered. You've now been triggered. Here's my thing. I love it. I love it. This is great. So you now have people that are out there who don't even believe terrorists exist. And then when the government does do something, they bash that. But if the government wouldn't, didn't do something, they would have bashed that. I'm confused. And, and this is kind of where my problem lies because it, if you're going to be on news medias, if you're going to be on a, a news outlet, then y- you shouldn't get so triggered or pissed off when somebody pushes back. I mean, if you listen to Chris, and I've listened to his shows, he, everybody's a retard, right? Well, guess what? I guess I'm just a retard with a microphone that's pushing back with some facts and some numbers and some real information from multiple sources. And if I don't know, I'll bring on professional people who have been there, who have seen it, who have done it, who have experienced it to explain it to you. And, and to me, I would rather be this and, call, and just saying, look, all I'm asking you is to have responsible freedom of speech, just like responsible gun ownership. If you're, now, if you're just going to run around the street and you're, you're nobody, say whatever you want, don't, whatever. But for me, once you call yourself a news outlet, there's a responsibility for that. There should be a responsibility for you to confirm what you're saying is true. And even if it's opinion piece, if I have an opinion piece, my opinion is not on, on the fact that I'm saying something that's not true. My opinion on here's the truth that I've confirmed and here's my opinion about that truth. It's not, this never happened. There were no strikes. The rockets over Israel were just fireworks. The Iron Dome system, how would they, you know, it, it's like, what the hell is wrong with you? If you're going to, look, if you're going to assume a position, if you're going to assume a role and lead the American people in, in press, then don't do exactly what the mainstream media does and freaking lie. Because if you are, Here's my word to you, Chris. Shut the fuck up until you know. Or don't go on news medias. Don't go on news outlets. Don't portray yourself as the news. Don't portray yourself as news. When I do entertainment or if I'm covering Bigfoot, that's, it's entertainment. It's fun. Is it real? No idea. Is some fake? Absolutely. But I'm not saying I'm the news. I'm not the Bigfoot news. I'm not the alien news media. Have some accountability. Have some goddamn accountability for your actions. Grow up. Do a little work. Put a little effort in. And this is where my frustration lies. There's no effort. There's no work. There's no checking things out. A long time ago, I did a story, and this is when I ended up leaving um, Economic Ninja because Economic Ninja changed, and he just went to doom and gloom. But I covered a story that the fuel filters... Um, this company was making fuel filter was, was going out of business and they're no longer making fuel filters. Well, I confirmed it with three different people in this area. But where I, and they reached out and they said, no, you're wrong. Let me explain it. And I did the story basically saying there's no fuel filters. But what they were doing is they were no longer servicing that service area. And the people that, I were, that were contacting me were all from that service area, Alabama and stuff like that. So the actual, I had to do a correction. I had to do a correction and say I was wrong, and I did the video saying I was wrong. I, I didn't get the proper information. I, uh, when I reached out to the source, I should have waited for the, 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 the actual company to get back to me, and I didn't. I wanted to be first. 
I didn't want to be, that was, and I felt I got enough, and I didn't. I did it wrong. Like I said, I might be wrong, uh, but it's highly unlikely. Well, this time it was likely, and, and it was. So I basically had to go back, do the story, and say, hey, I was wrong. This is what's actually going to, this is actually what's happening. He reached out to me. I spoke with him. I'm doing a correction from the following story. To me, the correction story had to be as covered better than, the, than because of the first story. It wasn't just a one-line correction. It was, I screwed up. I didn't get the information. Here's the real information. That's what's important to me. Because when people look to me in the industry that I am, they need to know the truth. They need to know that I'm accountable for the words and the statements and the things that I say I can do. Now, you pay me a lot of money to do that because I'm very good at it. But because when I screw up, I'll tell you, when I, if, I, if I need answers, I'll get it right from the people that are the ones making the call. I'll tell them to put it in writing. I'll tell them, you know, and I'll CC them. I do all that to confirm it because huge corporations depend on me to do that. Well, huge amounts of people in the American, in the country of America are now depending on you to do a little research, to do a little work, to confirm, and not just spew stupidity. And if you're not going to do that, I'm going to fucking push back. I'm going to push back. Because this is how I now defend my oath to the Constitution and the people of the Constitution against foreign and domestic enemies. And if you're lying out there and telling the American people bullshit and lies, and you're now, to me, a domestic enemy. And I will stand by my oath. I don't care if CanCon does. I don't care if anybody else does. But I will stand by the oath that I took to defend the Constitution. Welcome to Sage Outcast. That being said, I'm going to go ahead and jump out of here. Thanks for everybody being here. And uh, I'll probably see you tomorrow. I'll probably do a show tomorrow. So see you later.